Assalamu alaikum guys, uh, thank you very much for listening. Just a couple of quick notes before we get on to this episode. Believe it or not, this is the final episode of the Transit Lounge for this first season. I know, I just stopped crying myself. The good news is that we'll be back with a second season inshallah in a few months time. If you have any ideas by all means or any feedback actually, reach out to us. Info at ToledoSociety.com The other thing is, this episode with Amr Hamad is actually the first episode we ever recorded for the Transit Lounge. Amr is a very good friend of mine and he was very kind enough to help us with the piloting phase. His story is very dear to my heart personally and I've been using his story as an inspiration for the work that I'm doing now with Toledo. Enjoy the interview. Building a startup is like jumping off of a cliff and figuring out how to to build an airplane on your way down. When uh, JK Rowling tweets about one of our campaigns and it crashes our site, you know, it's like, do you, are you happy? Are you sad? <laughs> you kind of, it's a good problem to have. How did a guy, a young guy yeah. from Georgia uh, end up a superstar in the Arab world? From Toledo Society, I'm Mohammed Zaur and this is the Transit Lounge where we track the journeys of people who are having a considerable impact on the Muslim world. Today on the show, Amr Hamad, one of the co-founders of LaunchGood, an online platform that has raised over $60 million in crowdfunding for projects across the world. So you guys have heard of the major Islamic charities across the globe, right? Like Islamic Relief, Human Appeal, Muslim Made and others. Uh, well, the way they work is that they have a head office with a network of smaller offices across the globe. So when I sat on the board of Islamic Relief Australia several years ago, uh, I saw how the process works. Basically, one of the countries raises the money and then that gets channeled through to the UK and then through to the, to the offices that implement the project. So for example, money is raised in Sydney, goes to the UK and then gets channeled through to a microfinance project in Southeast Asia or a, or a new school in Eastern Europe, etc. Well, LaunchGood, in my opinion, is to the Muslim NGO sector and the social entrepreneurship space what Airbnb is to the hotel industry. It is essentially a platform that connects Muslims who have great social entrepreneurship ideas, such as humanitarian projects or a business idea, and connects them with hundreds, sometimes thousands of funders across the globe. As co-founder, Omar Hamad serves as the chief design officer of LaunchGood. And at the age of 27, yep, 27, I probably wouldn't say he has decades of experience before LaunchGood. But his journey to co-founding LaunchGood actually started way back at the age of 16, when he started a design agency from his parents' walk-in wardrobe whilst at school. Yep. And by the way, his design agency went so well, he didn't even make it to university. Amr grew up in rural Georgia and is a third generation Egyptian American with Turkish, Moroccan, Lebanese blood, you know how it works. And his grandfather, get this, was an Egyptian astronomer who came to the US to study at Harvard. How did you learn how to code and design and, yeah. and do all of this stuff if you didn't go to university or tech? Or Learning how to code is actually a really interesting one. Uh, I don't know if, if you know Amir Sudeiman. He's an uh, amazing spoken word artist. I randomly saw him in an airplane in Charlotte. I was flying down to Tampa from Charlotte and I was like, are you Amir Sudeiman? Like, I was like a big fan of his work. And so anyway, we, we, we connected for a little bit in the airport. We turned out we were on the same flight too. 
And I don't know why, but the first thing I told him, usually I say like I, I do branding and, and uh, at the time I was doing a lot of flyer design. And I told him I, I do web design as well. And I knew it was something I was interested in, but I didn't really know anything about coding it out. So anyway, a few, maybe like two months later or so, he calls me up. He's like, you know, I believe that there was a, a reason for, for us meeting and, and we have a new site coming out and I want, I want your help with it. So I was like, yeah, totally. I, I got this. And that was actually the very first website I made. So I took the project and then I figured out how to code, code a website oh, after taking, <laughs> taking that project. So that was... Uh... So you guys have heard of the famous quote by Richard Branson, that if somebody offers you an amazing opportunity, but you're not sure you can do it, just say yes and figure it out later. Well, this quote's got me personally into a lot of trouble in my life, but when it did work, it worked very, very well. Fake it until you make it, I guess. Well, Amar did that. He had a solid foundation of design skills, but when he got tapped on the shoulder by Chris, his co-founder at LaunchCode, to design LaunchCode, the portal, and code the first edition of it, he jumped right in. He met his co-founder, Chris, who was in the filmmaking space and got a film into Sundance, and he also met Amani Kelawi, the other co-founder, who was in the community organizing space. So Chris tapped Amar on the shoulder and said, here's the idea of LaunchGood. We want to do for the Muslim world what Kickstarter has done for the broader community. So he hired me, he hired Alfen, my design agency, to do the, uh, the design of the platform. And was this a commercial relationship? Like, did you guys... He saw... He's, yeah, it was a commercial relationship initially. He saw ElevateCulture.com and he was like, I really like this design. And uh, he was trying to figure out who made it. So he contacted them and then they connected us. And I think that was like that. the very first time we, we talked was was through the design work he saw in Elevate Culture. So yeah, so he, he hired a fan and he was like, well, we don't really have too much funding to actually pay for it. So we worked out a, uh, I guess what you can call a sweetheart deal. And I started working on the platform. The more I was working on it, the more I was like, this is like exactly what the Muslim community needs. And the working relationship between uh, me and Chris at the time was really good. Actually, after I delivered the site, I started working on redesigning the whole thing from scratch again. Um, out of your own initiative. My own, my, and then I finished that and I delivered it to him because I really wanted to see something like this succeed. Like at that point, it's um, that's where like passion is just driving you. Like it feels like there's something that's pulling you forward and that you don't even have control over it. But, but surely this would have taken a lot of your time away from your other clients that are yeah. paying the bills, yeah. that are paying your rent in, in your parents' um, you know, walk-in wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so at this point, uh, actually I was, I was married, so it was even a bigger jump. And when we were discussing like, how is it possible to, how would it be possible for me to join in? Because, you know, now I have proper expenses, you know. It's, um, and just to put this in context, you were, what, 20, 21 years old? Yeah. I was like 20, maybe 21 at the time. Yeah. Incredible. So you had a business, you you had a family, um, you were married. Yeah. So you had all these expenses. Yeah. You parked most of your clients to the side that you were designing with and you worked on this project free of charge. Yeah. And went an extra mile yeah. and redesigned the website that yeah. you weren't asked to do and yeah. just submitted it to Chris. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, it, well, initially it wasn't actually free of charge, but it was a very uh, small, small amount. And then when I did that, like I knew that jumping over, focusing full time in LaunchGood is going to be uh, a challenge, especially because you know it's still a startup. There's no way it's going to you know pay the, pay the bills. But at a point like that, it's like you're so much like you're so uh, determined about 
the vision of like where you want this thing to go, you're willing to make some compromises. And for me, it was like, you know, I'm, I can start phasing down my work with Elfen and start increasing the amount of time I can put towards launch grid. In reality, <laughs> pretty much like most of my time would just be spent on uh, on launch good and out then, of like, passion out of passion and then like and then you know bills are due it's like oh man i got to take on some other projects and they go and like you just collect some projects and you know get those done just to pay the bills what so, was the tipping point what made you jump in yeah wholeheartedly to to launch good my norm was to take the unconventional path and and, and, and even to be frank like until today I'm I'm still not making what I was making at the peak of Alfan. Alhamdulillah, Alfan was uh, has really grown. But at this point, it's actually much more of an intentional decision to reinvest a lot of the growth and success that Launchkit has been having into back into Launchkit to continue its growth. But uh, the tipping point for me was uh, just just seeing where I'm spending my time. Like, you know, I, I see that I, um, you know, if I, if I'm able to take X amount of Alfan projects a month just to pay the bills, then I'm able to spend, you know, the majority of the other time just working on uh, really pushing launch good forward. So for me, that was really like, if I can find that balance, then then I want to make that commitment. And are you designing everything on the site and yeah. coding yourself at the moment or? No, at the moment, alhamdulillah, we have an amazing team. So a lot of the design uh, is, still, um, is still with me, um, but the coding out and stuff, actually, I don't even know how <laughs> the platform survived so long with my initial code raising alhamdulillah over 30 million like and, and right now when our developers look at the code they're like how did you put this together like it doesn't even make sense to them like honestly i have no idea like i'm all how like, did people even trust you with your credit card details even, yeah imagine like once we once we push that forward and, and get it better like inshallah will we'll be a whole different world but alhamdulillah yeah people uh we have 180,000 users over that and uh I trusted it. How did LaunchGood grow? Like, how, how did people start using the platform? Yeah. You know, you, you built it in, in Georgia, but you have people from Sydney, from Cape Town, from yeah. uh, from all parts of the Muslim world yeah. and non-Muslim world yeah. actually going in and logging in their projects. LaunchGood, there's kind of two ways to look at it. Like, one is it's growing like wildfire. And another is like, it's still scratching the surface. So I, I have these two images like very mm. clear in my mind. So... So the idea that it's, you know, it's a global platform, you know, we're operational in a hundred countries now. And uh, one thing that you'll, you'll see in the, um, the global Muslim community is this ultra interconnectedness. You know, the Muslim community is connected today like never before. And to be able to try to activate that connection is huge. And the, you're talking about the global Muslim the community. The global Muslim community. Yeah. And there's actually a term, we actually kind of borrow this term from uh, another startup called Al Kamiya. They're kind of like yeah. a Muslim Netflix. Uh, they used it, we liked it a lot, called Gummies, global urban Muslims that are educated in English speaking. And this group around the world, which is like, like it's like us, right? Like even the first time I met you, it feels like we knew each other for, you know, for our whole lives, even though it was a, just our first time. And that interconnectedness allows this market to, for things to really kind of spread fast. Uh, and, and one of the beauties of crowdfunding in specific is when somebody sets up a campaign, it's on them to share it with their network. So every new campaign we have is a whole new pocket of uh, people that haven't been introduced to launch. Yet. So it's, it's the community themselves that are promoting the exactly. platform. It's the community itself. Yeah, yep. genius. You know, I heard once it's like building a startup is like jumping off of a cliff. 
and figuring out how to to build an airplane on your way down. But that's kind of the fun of it. If you wait and you study every aspect of it and you try to be so prepared to jump in to make your own business, you never start. You'll never and you'll probably it. miss the opportunity anyway. You'll miss the opportunity, yeah. So just get so in there, right? Just get in there, just start. Like literally, the most difficult thing is just to start. So if you do have your idea, go ahead and like open up a Word doc and just like type it out and type out how could you test to see if this idea is, uh, is viable. Or another really uh, good approach would be set up a, a very simple landing page on the internet and just say coming soon and have like a, an email input and tell yourself like you're not going to start this business until you get 500 people signed up to your like pre-launch. And if you're able to get there, then you're proving that there's demand in the market and, and you're proving that there's, there's interest. But the biggest thing is just to take that one next step and ask yourself each day or each week, am I taking that one next step? So Omar and his co-founders kept taking those steps. They initially looked for investors, but soon realized that they didn't need any. And so LaunchGood remains one of the few platforms that's reached the critical mass of 180,000 users without needing a major cash injection. We, we were actually interested in going down the path of investment. We flew out to Silicon Valley. We spoke with people. And there was a lot of hesitation around the concept of like a Muslim platform. And for us... Muslims or non-Muslims? A lot of Muslim investors as okay. well. Yeah. It was interesting because for us, it was like really clear, like there's a huge need here. But it, but it also became very clear to us that any money that we do want to bring on board into LaunchGood has to be, you know, it's considered like smart money where... It's not just money, but people are bringing value beyond beyond the cash as well. We started out with $10,000. It was a uh, friend and mentor of Chris, uh, Harris Ahmed from Detroit. And we started out with with a small investment of uh, of 10000 And that's actually the only investment launch goods ever taken. And we actually made a point after um, some of these meetings that we're not going to seek any investment if we're launching. We're going to bootstrap this. We've been bootstrapping it for a while. So we might as well push through and, uh, and see how far we can go. And um, don't you get worried that launch good will plateau? If it plateaus, it's our fault. It's not the market's fault. Like there's so, there's, we feel like really we're only scratching the surface of the potential out there. And also I feel like there's like an additional layer to this where like, alhamdulillah, you believe in, you know, risk in this sustenance that's coming your way that I feel like it's almost like an unfair advantage if you if you do have that that belief because you're not so worried about the outcome like what you're focusing on is your input like you want to make sure that you do the best job you can but the outcome itself it's it's never really in your hands Hi guys, just a quick note regarding Toledo Society. The Transit Lounge is one podcast in a network of podcasts called Toledo Society. Visit us on ToledoSociety.com to find out more. So on the topic of doors opening up that you don't expect, um, I first got to know of you uh, when I was driving on one of the main highways in Doha, Qatar. Um, and I look at this billboard and there's this young kid yeah. <laughs> yeah. who would have been 24 at the time uh, with a bunch of like major logos uh, on this huge billboard. How did a guy, a young guy yeah. from Georgia end up a superstar in the Arab world? You know, I'm trying to figure out that same question, to <laughs> say the truth. It's, um, you know, I never really thought I would be 
even visiting this this region other than maybe going to Abra or Hajj, like it actually all started, you know, in, in the most ironic phase of my life, which was the phase that I was trying to close all of the commitments that I have, like put an end to all the commitments that I have uh, in terms of like, you know, startups or community initiatives so I can focus on launch good. And then I get this phone call. It was uh, my sister's father-in-law. Uh, he gives me a call and he's like, hey, there's this application for, for funding for, for neat ideas in, in, the, uh, in Qatar. And uh, I have this idea, but I'm too old to apply. And I was, I'm just thinking if, if you're interested to, uh, to apply with it. And, you know, it's essentially if you go into any mosque uh, and you see people praying in line, if anyone needs to pray in a chair, they, uh, they're usually an interference to those around them. So they're, they're either blocking the person behind them or they themselves are not standing in line. So, so you're just doing him a favor and, and submitting favor. the application and exactly. hoping for money and he might give you like 5-10%. Exactly, yeah. He's like, <laughs> you know, if, if this application goes through, if, you know, if it gets funding, we can, we can uh, share the funding or whatever. I was like, okay, like, there's no problem there. So yeah, so I apply. A couple days later, I get a phone call uh, and they're saying, congratulations, we're going to fly you out to Dubai to do casting. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I'm like, casting, like, this sounds like a show. So this is when you decide to go back, get your shoes or go with the tide? Well, well yeah. So this was me very much swimming against the tide. I tried to get out of the, uh, to get out of this as much as possible. I tried to transfer it to someone else. I, I told them like, like, I think there's like a misunderstanding here. Like I, I didn't realize... Actually, I was in California at the time. That's the week we were talking with investors. So it was a really heavy time wow. for us for, at LaunchGood. I do the casting. Next thing I know, I get the green lights. Omar Hamid, Mصri, عاش وترعرع في الولايات المتحدة الأمريكية. عمره 24 عاما. أنا فعلا عندي 24 سنة. بس بقالي ثلاث سنين متجوز. My wife and I, and growing up, my bad, I'm very blessed to have her in my life. Those were probably some of the busiest months of my life, where from morning to night, every single day, you have a microphone clipped to you, you have like 10 cameras around you, uh, except Fridays. So like you have one day a week off. That was like, you, you're there, you're building Senda from the ground up, you're, you know, prototyping, uh, which was, it's a lot of fun. It's exactly the way I learned, right? It's like, I love doing, not just theoretical. And man, the design judge, uh, James Law, uh, he's a great guy, but he was tearing everyone up in the design uh, finale or the, like, the design uh, stage. And I was the last one to be judged. So I thought he was just trying to like come in heavy handed so he can like, like drama in the show or something. So I knew that I was about to get like, uh, you know, embarrassed real bad with, with this. And then he was, if you just see what he said, like I was like, he, he said, um, you know, he's like, I've been judging the stars of science for I don't know how many years, and your design is like a breath of fresh air. This is a brilliant piece of work. It's stunning. Right. You know, I, I, I've now been involved with stars of science for a couple of seasons, and the beauty of design is often clouded by an overuse of technology. And you've, you've completely, in this project, shied away from any use of electronics or apps or whatever. You've gone back to the essence of design. 
which is a breath of fresh air, actually, for this show. So, you know, I promise to be honest, so I have to praise you. Yeah. Thank you. And he just kept going at it, kept going at it, <laughs> even like Dr. Murad, which is like the, the, the tough judge, you know, he started asking questions and James Law stood up for me. And I, I was like, it was really cool. Um, um, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a blessing. But, you know, after, after trying to swim against the tide for quite some time and that experience, uh, at a certain point, I just embraced it and uh, tried to take as much uh, from it as possible. All right, Omar, I'm, I'm going to um, yeah. shift kind of gears here. We're going to talk about something a little bit different to cool. your entrepreneurial life. Yeah. Um, you set up your uh, Al-Fan business. You did that very, very well. Atlanta Muslims also uh, served the community online. Then you set up uh, with Chris and Amani, launch good and, and, and travel the world yeah. through Stars of Science. Um, you got married at a very young age. You were 20 when you did the Ketpik Tab. And uh, your wife... Uh, was also very, very young. Can you talk me through your journey uh, with your wife and where you are at the moment? Yeah. Long story short, you know, today, actually, we, we are no longer married. I mean, just to, just to go back to your question regarding was she there, you know, in the journey, she was actually, I would say, the biggest support for me through, uh, through a lot of this. Alhamdulillah, I feel blessed uh, that we were able to, to, to go our separate ways without making it so nasty, you know? We um, still have respect for each other. I'm hoping, you know, that she's, you know, she's going to be happy, she's successful. Sure. So definitely always have that, you know, there. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. Sometimes it's just, you know, there could be two good people with that, that don't work out with each other. With the divorce, you know, it's, it's a transition that's it's tough. It's, you know, no one's wanting to go through. But I will always want to see Nuseba happy and successful in the work that she does. And also, you know, some of her positive aspects is her genuine care and uh, social justice. She's extremely passionate and uh, has a big heart. And, and also, if you see the kind of work that she's done in mobile journalism, uh, it's really inspiring. And she's a very vocal feminist and taught me a lot about, uh, about feminism. So I feel like she has a lot of positive qualities, and I don't want people, even listening to this, to uh, to feel like they would ever have to take sides. All right, um, Omar Hamid, imagine for a moment that yeah. the editor-in-chief of AtlantaMuslim.com <laughs> knocks on your door and says, Omar, we know you've gone to do bigger and better things, but we want you to write an op-ed. So given your journey for the last 10 years or so, what's your advice? So one do, I think, is have a side project. Even if you have a startup, uh, and, and this one I think is controversial because I've, I've gotten a lot of advice against it, but... Um, and your co-founders wouldn't, wouldn't really like right? this. <laughs> the, the nice thing about a side project is, and the side project doesn't have to be another startup. It can be, you know, a garden that you're making. It could be some, something else that keeps you engaged is because sometimes like you just work, you, like you burn out. Having a side project helps keep things fresh, helps give you a new perspective. Okay, so do number one is yeah. have a side project. Yeah, just, just to maintain the energy. Do number two, I would say maybe seek advice from people who've walked the path. The same path. The same path that you're, that you're looking to get advice from. So a lot of times people might just ask someone that is uh, maybe successful in the business sense or successful in a sp another specific sense, like... If you're trying to figure out, for example, for me, I'm trying to figure out a licensing structure for Senda. So I can ask people that are successful in business, but if they haven't done specifically licensing, 
I'm missing a lot from that advice. But if they walk that path of licensing, like that's who I need to talk to because they've already uh, walked that path. So fair enough. All right. <laughs> and then um, at the bottom of this op-ed, yeah, on AtlantaMuslim.com, three don'ts. Yeah, three don'ts. Plan, but don't stick to it. Okay. So tie your camel, but then put your trust in God at the end. And number two. Number two. Don't underestimate the power of words. Uh, it's amazing how you can say something that somebody else might take in certain ways uh, or when you compliment somebody or you recognize some of the work that someone's done, it goes a long way. Hi guys, thank you very much for your support and if you have any ideas for this podcast or any other podcast, please email the team at info at